Welcome to the Pursue of Bliss podcast. My name is Kristen. I'm a self-professed health, spirituality, and mindset junkie. You know that blissful happiness you feel when you're just at peace with yourself, living fully in the present moment? That's the feeling I believe we are all in the pursuit of. And I want to help you get one step closer by up-leveling your health, mindset, and love for yourself. Because that lasting and blissful happiness can only be found and created within. So get ready for all things mindset, holistic health, and spirituality. I hope this serves you. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Pursuit of Bliss podcast. It has been quite the two weeks since I put out my last podcast episode. I think it's been about two weeks and so much has been happening for me. I've been navigating so much, moving through my own process and I've noticed a collective pattern right now. A lot of us who are conscious and doing the work are experiencing initiations and death portals right now. And when I say death portal, I don't want it to sound spooky or scary because it's a beautiful thing. Death must precede any type of rebirth. Something has to be let go of. And so right now there's a there are a lot of women right now experiencing this collective feminine death portal, which means the letting go or the death of parts of us of our emotional body, of our spiritual being, of our identity, or what we personally believe that we identify with unconsciously and consciously, uh, there's a lot of death going on of those parts of us that are blocking us or are not in alignment or cannot exist within the presence of whatever is coming for us. And a point that I just really wanted to make before I get into the depth of what I want to talk about in this in this podcast episode is that the pain is a portal and I say this all the time but the pain is not here to break you down it is here to crack you open there is provision in the pain and anything you're experiencing right now the triggers the hurt the emotions the confusion the chaos There's provision in it. There's gift in it. And this is still part of the answer to your prayers. It's like we expect everything that we desire to just show up in a beautiful package at our front door, right? We want a partner or a boyfriend or a husband. The guy just shows up and it's perfect. Or we want the money. Well, the perfect strategy pops into our mind and we apply it and we hit that 10, 20, 30K month immediately and it just keeps on going up from there. Or we want that perfect career and suddenly we have an inspired idea and we apply and we get it right away and it's smooth sailing. And I'm not saying that these things don't sometimes happen because they do. But more often than not, that is not the way that life actually pans out. And I think that we see so much of that displayed on social media right? Like you see the relationship coach who is posting about her beautiful relationship and you see the money coach who's posting about how every single month she makes more and more money. And you see the life coach, you know, posting about, or the business coach posting about how they found their perfect business or career overnight and their entire life changed. And suddenly, you know, is the rags to riches and 
And I think the issue is that we see all of this and we accept that this is how life should be. We set an intention and we either like go down the manifestation path or we pray for it or, you know, we set up a plan and we go for it, whatever your path is. And we expect it to just happen. But the reality is that more often than not, from the moment that you claim a desire to the moment it actually shows up in your reality, there is a lot more that goes on. And I do believe it's true that the moment that you pray for something, your prayer is already answered. God is always listening. But I've also said this before, God is not a vending machine. And oftentimes the answer to our prayer doesn't look like the pretty package that we want it to be. Sometimes the answer to our prayer comes in the form of pain, comes in the form of a person who causes chaos in our lives or drama or pain or hurt or reopens our wounds. Sometimes it's more chaos. Sometimes it's the opposite of what we said that we wanted. And what I've experienced, especially recently, and I'll share my personal story with this after, after I complete this thought, but sometimes what you've prayed for, your prayer is already answered and whatever is meant to be for you, whether it's specifically what you want or whether it's something that God knows is actually meant for you, whatever that thing experienced person is, is on its way. And has most likely already begun to actually enter or penetrate your field, your energetic field around you. And when this happens, anything within your personal field that is not aligned with whatever is coming, that cannot exist in the presence of whatever is coming, that will likely sabotage whatever is coming, gets triggered to the surface. It's almost like this purification of your system is the way that I think of it and the way that I felt it was in my reality. It's like your system is being purified right now to release whatever it is that can't exist in the presence of what is coming. So it's actually a preparation. When I look back at the last six months to a year of my life, it has been hands down the last six months has been the, emo- the, the most emotionally difficult time period of my life and looking back there was so much provision provision in it I am so grateful and I wouldn't take back one ounce of any of that pain or any of those experiences because it was exactly what I needed and I did not know it at the time but it pulled out of me some of the deepest darkest wounds that I did not know were still operating within me because I had pushed them away it pulled them to the surface and it was painful, but it was exactly what I needed to actually deal with that pain, those wounds, those stories to bring them to the light, to bring them back to love, to integrate them so that I was no longer attracting from that space. And I saw this play out in the last 10 days or so. I told you guys I had a crazy two weeks, the past two weeks and It's been tumultuous, it's been emotional, it's been constant purging. I've been crying all the time. I've had like three days in a row of nonstop just tears and purging and then a couple days of feeling really good. Like God's like, okay, Kristen, you deserve a break. And then I go back into my depths and I am kind of on the other side. It was like this mini purge experience and 
And if you've listened to my episodes, you know all about the void. And I was in a huge void experience, started about six months ago, lasted a few months. But the way I see it is that the void was, yes, that one experience, but I'm in this collective kind of bigger season, almost as winter. We all have cyclical seasons we move through in life and the void was a part of my winter. And although I left the void, I'm still kind of in the end of this winter season. And so I'm still slowly purging out the last pieces that need to move through me that were triggered during the void so that I can finally enter my spring. So the way I see it is I'm like, you know, in the rebirth stages in that process, I've left the void, left the cocoon but I'm in the final stages of release and purification of my system to prepare for what the next season of life is bringing me because it's bringing pretty big things. I already know and can feel them. So with that said, I'm going to kind of share with you what happened because I know a lot of you can relate to my experience. So a couple weeks ago, uh, this entire experience, this 10 day experience, which I'll get more into was triggered. I actually was going on a date and it was a date I was really excited about. It was someone I had met in person and we had gotten to know each other over a few weeks and we had so much in common and I was really excited and there were so many, so many synchronicities and signs from God and just felt like, wow, this feels so weirdly right. And so I go on this date and immediately there's just, it's a no, everything, it was wrong. And it just felt off. It just wasn't right. And it was this huge letdown because I had let myself get so excited about this person. And I know it feels small, like, okay, it was just a date. But uh, if you are a female, (laughs) you know that we get really emotional over really seemingly small things because the small things aren't really small. So I allowed myself to get really excited and I was really, really let down and this experience itself, right? Dating can be a roller coaster, and I am seasoned in being let down. You know, most dates are not going to be what you want. However, something about this experience triggered something so much deeper, and it was my emotional response was so dramatic in comparison to the actual what had actually happened which was not that much just me realizing after being excited for a few weeks that this was not someone I wanted to continue with which is a letdown but it was not almost justifiable for how I was feeling it was something so much deeper within me that was triggered and this experience actually triggered my kind of like 10 days of purge experience and when I look back And I think of, but wait, because this is a question I get all the time. It's like, wait, but I was receiving all these signs and it seemed so right. And there were so many synchronicities. How could I have been let down by this person or experience? And when I had that feeling of, wow, this just seems so right. It was because it was so right. It was so right for me in that moment. It wasn't so right because he's my person forever. It was so right because he was placed in my path on purpose to trigger the experience I had after him. He was sent as this initiation of the purification of my system. And when I say purification, I mean this like energetically and emotionally speaking, purifying whatever darkness is still sitting within there that is ready to leave. 
And I don't know exactly what it was about that experience that triggered everything and it doesn't really matter. But something about him or something about the interactions or experiences that we had triggered something from my childhood or from my past experiences or everything. I don't know and I honestly don't need to know because I've given up at this point in my life in trying to analyze everything that happens and to understand how everything is a reflection And now I'm in a space of just trusting and just trusting that how I feel is important and valid and that I can follow how I feel and let everything flow through me without having to justify, understand, or analyze it or know exactly where it's coming from. I trust that if I'm meant to know exactly where a trigger is coming from, it will be made clear to me easily without me having to overanalyze it and get lost in my head because A lot of times we get so lost trying to analyze something, figure it out, figure out why it's here, what it's a reflection of, why we attracted it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that what we're actually doing is we're getting stuck in our heads, stuck in this masculine logical energy, and that keeps us out of our hearts. So it can actually be a protection mechanism in this disguise as a positive healing process. But in reality, it's just a bypassing and protection mechanism to keep you out of your heart because being dropped into your heart and your womb in that moment would just be so painful. It's easier to analyze and justify. So I've kind of moved away from those practices and moved into the practice of just surrender, of just allowing. And after that experience that initiated, like I, I woke up the next day and I just felt heavy. I don't know how to describe it, just heavy and down. And like there was this weight on my chest, something within me had just ballooned up to be felt. And I just started having these, in the beginning, I just, it turned into anxiety. And I know that anxiety more often than not is resistance to feeling or letting go of something. And so as soon as I was able to actually sit with what was there, actually a practice that helps me to sit with something and to, and to feel what's there is I journal. And then while I'm journaling, I speak out loud either to myself or to God, how I'm feeling, for example, after journaling about how I feel, I might say out loud, like, God, I feel so unlovable right now. I feel so small and so unlovable in this moment. And speaking my emotions and and naming how I feel out loud, especially when I'm speaking how I feel to God, really helps me to move it through my system because there's something about speaking, activating your, your throat chakra that just really helps to get the energy moving. So I've begun really working that practice into my routines when I feel like I'm anxious or there's stuck energy that I can't move on my own with my willpower. So when I began to actually surrender to how I was really feeling, the anxiety began to pass and didn't return. So these 10 days, it was interesting because typically it'll be a mix of anxiety and sadness or grief and anger, but anxieties are always thrown in the mix. But these 10 days, it's been almost zero anxiety. It's just fully purging, which has been so interesting because you know, we're human, we're all human, we all have experiences with anxiety. And so my understanding of anxiety, my understanding of anxiety has grown so much in the past few months as I've watched my relationship to it and its place in my life shift the more that I surrender to what I'm actually feeling and experiencing. 
So began to have these massive purge experiences where I was just bawling my eyes out and it would happen a lot, especially it would be triggered by movement. It would either be triggered by me journaling and speaking out loud how I feel or by movement. So it was after almost every single uh, workout class or aerial soaks class I had, I would leave and I would just be in the car bawling my eyes out or drive to the beach and just be bawling my eyes out. And so for anyone who feels like they have difficulty moving, feels through them and their emotions get trapped in their body and turn into anxiety, practical tools that help me are journaling, speaking out loud to God how I'm feeling. Video journaling also helps and movement, especially feminine movement if you can, like dance, freedom of expression, stretching, etc. So it was interesting. I was having these really intense crying, purging experiences where I wouldn't really know exactly what I was crying about, but it felt really painful. And then they began to shift and I began to have, I would be crying over things that had happened that I thought I was over. I was crying about things that happened five, six years ago. I started to feel this anger and depth of emotion toward people that I really don't hold any resentment toward in my current reality. All of this depth of emotion attached to old experiences that maybe I never fully processed. And it was interesting in this experience because I was very conscious of it. And I was like, hmm, am I really upset with this person? Is this a confrontation or conversation that needs to be had? Or is this an internal processing? Is this just, you know, 22 year old Kristen's feelings that actually are resolved, but she feels were never fully felt. And so they just need to move through my system. And that was actually what happened. The more I let everything move through my system, the resentment gradually eased. And I came to, after I came out of this experience, I felt complete peace and ease around all of these people that I was like purging this grief and rage toward in, in these experiences. It was so unusual. I've never had that experience where there was multiple people that I just felt this this pent up emotion toward and it just kind of was gone and I felt an even deeper sense of peace and love toward these these people in my life afterward and I was moving through you know so much abandonment and stories of unworthiness from literally age five until my current age I think in the past 10 days I have probably purged out and cried over almost every intense experience of abandonment I've ever had in my entire life. Some of them were experiences that I hadn't even consciously remembered in years or thought about. And at the same time, I began having these really intense, realistic, vivid dreams I was remembering everything about in the morning. And all of them were I mean, I was having a lot of dreams with the same ex and I was just being betrayed in different ways in each dream and just intense dreams about multiple people in my life. And each dream had the same theme of betrayal or abandonment in different ways. And so it was almost like I was purging at night. I was purging during the day. There was no release. There was no, it just was nonstop day and night. But the interesting part about it is I don't look back and think, wow, what a shitty 10 days. It's just like, I look back and I'm like, wow, how courageous was I in the past 10 days? I moved through all of that. And I don't look back and think, wow, I was really suffering. I look back and think, wow, that was so cathartic. It really didn't feel like intense suffering. It just felt like cathartic release. It was like, this is moving through me. It's a process of nature. I couldn't stop it if I wanted to. It's like breathing. Really like the crying I was experiencing felt like breathing. 
in the sense that it was moving through me. It was a process of nature. It was a healing process of nature that I need to survive. I trusted it. I allowed it to move through me and I felt better after. And on the very last day of the purge was the biggest purge of all. I was, I just sobbing so hard. I could barely breathe in my car about experiences that happened when I was, I don't know, maybe eight or nine years old, a long time ago. And they were experiences where I was feeling really abandoned, really unworthy, really broken, really unlovable. And I just like, while I was crying, it was like this version of me had almost taken me over. Like, I just remember like saying out loud, like, what's wrong with me? Like, how, how did I cause this? Like, why, why am I not lovable? Why don't you love me? I just remember all of these emotions and feelings and it just was like moving through me, moving through me and I couldn't stop it. It was like these almost wails. <laughs> and then once that was over and when I was in it, it just felt so real. Like the only thing in the world that mattered was my grief in that moment. And it felt so true and real that I was unworthy and unlovable. And as soon as that was done, it's like it was gone. I felt really tender, but I didn't feel sad anymore. I didn't feel unlovable or unworthy. Whatever came out of me, it was like, it just wanted to move through me and leave and it was gone. It needed a place to live outside of my body and I let it move through me. And after that experience, I chose to dedicate that day to my little eight-year-old inner child. And I chose to give her all of the loving experiences that she craved when she was eight or nine years old and didn't receive in those moments she was crying about. I chose to show her love in every single way I knew how. I decided to let her lead and plan the day. I let her dress me. We put sparkles on and glitter on. She chose my makeup. She chose my jewelry. She chose my outfit, her favorite colors. Uh, we went and we got ice cream and we went to the beach and we had an entire day. We went to the movies. She chose dinner. We made my favorite childhood dinner. We made my favorite childhood dessert. We literally had an entire day of just love and me reminding her how loved she is. And I truly felt like I completely rewrote that entire experience and story that's been living in me since I was a child. And on the other side, I woke up after the weekend just knowing that the purge was over and feeling so light, so inspired, so much moving and flowing through me. And I had a few immediate knowings. The first immediate knowing was that this was a purification of my system because what is coming for me in my next season, my next era of life has already begun to, has already begun to enter my reality and penetrate my system. I almost see it like this sword of God literally penetrating this energetic bubble around me that is my field of energy. And I see this like pure sword of God and anything within my field that is dark, that is heavy, that is dense, literally cannot exist in the presence of this sort of God. And I just see it all kind of like scattering and kind of coming out of hiding and, and being brought to the surface to leave. And I was just experiencing that happening in real time, like all of it moving through me because we have to feel it to heal it. But yes, but we have to feel it to let it go, which I think is more than just like quote unquote healing it. We would really just need to feel it to let it leave. That's it. And so the immediate knowing was this was a purification preparing you for what's coming. 
And the only reason you're having this intense purging experience is because you're ready for it. You're more open than you've ever been. And what God is preparing you is so big. It's so big and it's so good that you need to prepare yourself for it so that your system can hold it when it comes. Because if it shows up and I still have all of these deep, dark stories and shame spirals and darkness within me that hasn't been dealt with, that's going to lash out and sabotage whatever he's sending my way. And so God's like, nope, you're ready. We're going to purify your system now. And that was just like this deep knowing when I thought it, when I think about the last 10 days, like that's what it was. It was a purification of my system to prepare for what's coming. And I know a lot of you can probably relate to that, or at least to the experience of like these purges and not knowing what it is or why it's here. Another knowing I had was that a lot of the pain that moved through me came from my lineage. I've created this capacity within me to hold so much and to feel so much. And I've become adept at becoming this vessel for whatever God wants to send through me to come through. And because I'm so open and I've really built and expanded my capacity to hold, I'm doing a lot of healing, releasing for my lineage, my line, my, you know, generational healing. And so I think a lot of what was coming through me wasn't specifically just mine. It came through the females of my lineage. It really felt feminine. Like there's a lot of mother wound work collectively happening right now. If you're seeing this pattern in your reality, a lot of mother wounds are coming to the surface to be healed and released right now. And I also think I've been in this season of my life in the past few months since I've moved from Costa Rica, I've been having so many more of these experiences and I was sitting with it like, why am I having so many purging experiences in these past few months? And, you know, the answer is obvious to me. As soon as I asked that question, the answer was there. It's because I have the space for it. I have the capacity for it. And I'm on the edge of a huge shift in my reality and preparing for that shift. And this is the most spaciousness and slowness I've ever had in my reality. Right now in my life, I'm living alone. I've moved to a new place, so my social group has shrinked dramatically. I have given up coffee. My relationship with alcohol has completely shifted. I probably drink any kind of alcohol maybe twice a month. My relationship to sugar has completely shifted. My relationship, my relationship to my phone has also completely shifted. And all of these relationships before were holding me back in some way. I've shifted all of them, which creates so much more spaciousness because there is less distraction. And when I have less distraction, I'm more connected to my heart. I'm more open. And... There's more spaciousness for whatever wants to release and come through me to come through, to create space for what's coming. And I do want to touch briefly on my relationship with those substances or things in my life that have shifted because it didn't happen by willpower. It didn't happen by me saying, I just want to drink coffee less, or I want to stop drinking alcohol, or 
I'm going to stop having sugar after every single meal or whatever. It didn't just happen by willpower or self-control or even like healing the stories around it. No, I didn't try to heal or fix or it wasn't even my intention to do any of that really. I did have one week where I did a specific fast from all of those things. I had a week without any alcohol, any coffee, any sugar, uh, any social media and any Netflix, et cetera. And so that kind of jump started everything. But what really happened was I got closer to God and the closer I got to God, the more he moved my heart and the less I felt drawn to these specific things. It wasn't like one day I just chose to give up coffee. It was like one day I just didn't feel like having it. It was weird. Uh, And so I just kind of surrendered to that and chose to kind of make it a practice. And after a while, I realized that it, for me personally, I'm not saying this is for everyone at all, and I'm not shaming coffee. I love coffee. But after I stopped making a habit of drinking it, it became easier for me to slow down and also to open to God in my mornings and to connect with him. And now when I do drink coffee, it just jacks up my entire system. I go crazy, even like a cup of decaf sometimes. Makes me feel so anxious. I'm like, wow, this is the state I was living in that had become normal for me without even knowing it. And it was blocking me from slowing down. And I'm not saying it does this for everyone, but for me, this is what I've come to know. And same with alcohol. And once again, I'm not giving these things up forever. I still have a cup of coffee every once in a while. If I really want it, I'll just have like a really small cup and mix it with a lot of raw milk or I'll do like a a decaf because I still enjoy and love the taste of coffee. I don't like the way it makes me feel. And I've realized the same thing about alcohol. I still love really yummy cocktails and I love having glasses of wine, but I've become so much more sensitive to it that even one glass of wine It's like I I don't like the way it makes me feel fuzzy or foggy anymore. It's like it dims my connection to myself and my connection to God. And I don't think that wine is bad. I love wine. I still drink it. But I do think that my relationship with it was blocking a deeper relationship with God. Same with my phone. Constant scrolling all the time. Same with sugar. Using it as a void filler. And... It wasn't these realizations that shifted my relationship with these things. It was God. It wasn't like I said, I want to get rid of these things in my life so I can be closer to God and closer to myself and feel more fulfilled and peaceful in my everyday life. I didn't say that. I just said, I want to be closer to God. God, do your will in my life. And the more I was, I became devoted to him, the more he moved my heart and, and the more that anything in my life that was blocking my relationship with him began to fall away naturally, including people, including places, including things, including substances, including my relationship, relationship to all kinds of things in my life. And I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means. And I don't sometimes still scroll my phone. Of course I do. But my relationship to all of these things has shifted so dramatically. And my point I'm trying to make here in a probably really long-winded way is that you don't need more self-control or willpower to change the things in your life you want to change. You need more God. And when you focus on God, he will move your heart and change your heart so that it becomes easier 
for everything that is not meant for you to just naturally fall away, rather you having to have this intense willpower to give it up. Because when we focus on willpower, we're almost always coming from this like story of, I need to fix myself. I need to fix this. I'm broken. We need to end the damn fixing game. Healing is not ridding ourselves of what we consider to be our broken parts. Healing is loving the parts of us that may always seem slightly broken. Healing is not getting rid of our hurt and our pain and our wounds, but realizing that that is what makes us human. And that doesn't mean that it's not okay to want to change parts of ourselves. But the point I'm trying to make is that you don't need to try to change parts of yourselves and force change from this place of, I need to fix myself. You need less healing, less willpower, less control, and more God. Let God do the changing. Let love do the healing. You don't need to do all of this on your own. You were never meant to. And there is so much less suffering in life when there is no longer a part of ourselves that we are trying to get rid of. For most of our lives, we've all been obsessively trying to get rid of parts of ourselves. And the healing journey has become another way for us to just get rid of the parts of ourselves we don't like. You don't need to get rid of those parts of you. You don't need to fix them. You don't even need to heal them on your own. Like, let's just simplify this. Eyes on God. Let him do the work for you. Let him guide you. And when it is a time for you to literally do some specific healing work, you will be guided there. And I also believe there's this misconception that, you know, doing all this healing work, we get to rid ourselves of our hurts and our pain, but I just don't believe that the purpose of healing is to rid ourselves of our hurts. There is no reality or existence where we are just happy all the time and we don't have pain points. I think that the point isn't to release all of our hurt, but to learn to love the parts of us that are hurt and to live with that pain. If we never had hurt and didn't have the capacity to feel our own hurt and pain, if we didn't have these tender wounds, we wouldn't be able to relate to the hurt of others. There would be no empathy and no compassion and no love in this world. If we got rid of all of our hurt and all of our pain, if we couldn't feel it anymore, even if it was just a distant memory, but we couldn't feel it when we tapped in, we wouldn't be able to have empathy because that's what empathy is. It's saying, wow, I see your pain and I empathize with you because I can empathize with you because I can feel my own pain. And in your pain, I see my pain. And because I can still feel that pain, I have compassion for you. And I've been thinking about this a lot because when I think about a lot of my old wounds, I feel like I've quote, you know, quote unquote healed. When I really tap into them, they're still tender. The hurt is still there to some extent. I think it will always be tender. Even my most healed pains, if I really tap into them, I can still feel their tenderness, their sensitivity, their vulnerability. It's still there. And I think it's meant to still be there. I don't think that we're meant to rid ourselves of our tenderness. I think we have to get rid of this notion that life is meant to be lived without any trace of pain, without any scars. 
I think that our hurt and our pain and our tenderness, our wounds, they make us who we are. They make us human. And they also give us a capacity for deeper love. If and only if we learn to open our hearts through the pain instead of letting it close it, letting the pain close us off and close us down to love. But if you can come to terms with the idea that you're not meant to rid yourself of all of your wounds and that some may be slightly tender forever, it releases you of this pressure and of this story that there's something wrong with me because I can still feel this pain because it's not gone yet or because it came back or it got triggered or because I should be over this. We just get rid of the idea that we need to rid ourselves of any part of us. We can bring those parts of ourselves back to love. And I know I was speaking before about the purification and this darkness in me leaving. And I'm not saying that we cannot release a lot of emotional heaviness. I do think we are meant to release a lot of the emotions that are alive within a lot of these wounds that we've been bypassing or repressing. We're not meant to hold on to the emotions attached to the wounds. We're not meant to hold on and cling to the pain and identify with it. And much of the heaviness does get to leave us. But this is the process of shifting our stories, right? We get to shift the story around what the wound means. A lot of the pain didn't come from the wound itself, but from the story. The pain is from the story of because of this experience, I am unworthy, I am unlovable, I am not good enough, etc. We release the stories. But I think that once we are wounded in some way, there's always going to be some sort of scar, but the scars are beautiful. And this kind of understanding has helped me really come to terms and and be at peace with a lot of my own wounds and a lot of my own pain. We were never promised a pain-free life. I think so many of us are just on this constant loop, this spiral of chasing as much pleasure as possible, right? If I can just have the most pleasurable life possible, I won't have to feel any of the pain. And a lot of the reason I've stepped away from the world of manifestation is because I see this just constant pleasure cycle of manifestation of I just want to manifest the most pleasurable life possible. My best life, my best life ever, right? And I definitely have been guilty of this in the past, chasing pleasure. Because it's almost like we believe that if we just add enough pleasure into our lives, we won't have to sit with any of the pain that's really there rather than actually coming to terms and accepting that pain. It's really interesting because we repress our sadness in the name of feeling happy, but then we also repress our happiness to save ourselves from sadness, right? Like actually this goes back to my story in the beginning about my date and how I was really excited. I let myself get really excited And the reason I use that terminology is because I actively had to choose to allow the excitement to be expressed and experienced because I have a history of repressing my excitement so that I don't have to experience the letdown. But in this case, I did experience a letdown, but that letdown was this like huge accelerator into this healing experience that I needed to have to get me to where I am now, which is feeling way happier and way lighter than I was before. So the interesting part is that we repress our happiness 
to save ourselves from sadness. And yet we repress our sadness in the name of feeling happier. And it's just this never ending cycle of numbness of never truly feeling the joy or truly feeling the depth of the grief or the sadness that's there. And then when we're in this cycle of numbness, we chase pleasure. Instead of true joy, which comes from fulfillment and meaning and purpose, we chase pleasure. Because pleasure fills that gap of numbness and makes us feel good, those temporary highs. And that we don't need to leave that loop of repression because that would be scary and uncomfortable and feels really dangerous to our minds. So we're on the pleasure cycle, the pleasure roller coaster. And I think I'm still on this, you know, my whole brand used to be manifesting your best life. And I still feel like that is me and what I stand for right? Living your best life. Who doesn't want that? But my definition of what your best life is has really shifted. And I've realized that I'm not chasing the most pleasurable life by any means. I'm, I'm chasing the most fulfilling. And in fact, I'm not chasing anymore. I'm slowing down and softening into myself and allowing myself to receive it from God. I still want to live my best life, but That life doesn't mean the life with the most pleasure. It means the life with the most purpose, fulfillment, and love, which brings joy as a byproduct. But this oftentimes takes the sacrifice of short-term pleasure. Too much pleasure actually works against us and creates complacency and also can shift us and move us away from God. Because when we have too much pleasure in our lives, then we suddenly feel like this God in our own lives, like, Why would I need this almighty, all-loving God if I can create the most pleasurable experiences for myself? I've been really looking at this season of my life I'm in right now. And one of the biggest, most notable differences between this season of my life and the last season or this year and last year is that there's a lot less pleasure in my life. But there's also a lot more fulfillment and joy and felt love, like internal love from myself and and from God. It's like, I'm really building my capacity to feel and receive that within myself. And when I say pleasure, I don't mean there's not pleasure in my life. And another way I could put this is almost just like dopamine spiking experiences. I think a big part of my last few years was just really building up a life with a lot of adventure and dopamine spiking experiences and a lot of pleasure. And it was beautiful and I loved it and I don't regret it. It was such a wonderful time in my life. But now I'm in a phase where I don't want that anymore. I am more dedicated to the future that I really desire for myself than I am to pleasure. And the reason I say that pleasure brings complacency is because we can get so stuck in the pleasure spirals that we don't actually move toward what we really want. A really small example of this would be you really want to complete an art project or a book or a painting, something that feels really creative and close to your heart that you know you really want. But you continue to procrastinate by going through your phone and scrolling instead. 
because scrolling is pleasurable. We get these dopamine spikes from it. So it's like, why would I go through this process of creating my art when it's going to come with sacrifice and pain? There is difficulty in creating art when I could just receive pleasure now without any pain. Right, But with the art comes actual fulfillment. You move through some of the sacrifice of other pleasurable experiences that you could be doing. You have to move through a lot to create art. There is a lot of resistance we have to move through to create our art. This is just one small example. But it comes with a lot more joy and fulfillment in the long term. And this is like such a small example, but it can, this example is like a metaphor for so many bigger things in life. When we get too sucked into pleasure, we no longer have the drive to move toward what is actually meant for us and what will actually bring us a fulfillment and meaning and joy and love that we're really seeking through the pleasure. And for this reason, when you choose to walk the path of God, when you choose to really allow him to lead you and surrender to that path, yes, you get to experience more miracles and your life gets to transform so beautifully. You get to live the life that you were designed to live. You get to have all of the things, receive all of the things that God wants for you, all of the blessings, but it's not the easier path. It takes a lot of sacrifice. It's also not the path filled with the the most pleasure. It's not the most pleasurable path. And I don't mean that in the sense of there's not pleasure. There's a lot of pleasure, but it's more like this, this joy, this true joy, true fulfillment. But the reason so many people don't want to walk this path is because it also means sacrificing a lot of the pleasure that we are used to because pleasure keeps us complacent. So it's kind of this, this choice of what do you choose? Do you choose pleasure or do you choose fulfillment? Because if you choose fulfillment, you choose love, you choose the path that you're meant for, it's going to take some sacrifice. It is not by any means the easier path, but it brings a lot more ease because we get to rest in the arms of God and trust that he's got us. We no longer have to be the gods in our own life and figure in our own lives and figure everything out on our own and make sure that we have all the right pleasurable experiences so we can experience the best life ever. What if we don't actually know what the best life ever is? What if only God knew what would bring us the actual most fulfillment, love, and joy in our lives? And what if that path didn't feel like we thought it would feel like? Sometimes we're so resistant to what's actually meant for us to our best lives ever because we have our own picture of what our best life ever looks like. We see it all over social media, the best life ever, the life of luxury, the life of travel and adventure. I'm not against luxury or travel and adventure. I love all that stuff. But I think chasing it and and putting all of our focus and devotion into that takes our eyes off of God and actually moves us into complacency, moves us away from our actual best life ever. And you know that saying in manifestation, I've taught it so often, is this or something better? My definition of that has shifted so much. 
What does better actually mean? Right? Like life gets to continue to get better and better. I think that when we think of better, we think, okay, God's going to give me what I want or something better, which is true. But in our minds, we think of something better as something more pleasurable. And that's not what God is. That, that's not the point of God. It's this or something that will serve me in the next season in the way that what is here now cannot. It doesn't mean it's going to bring me more dopamine, more pleasure, but it does mean it will bring me more love, more joy, embodied joy, more meaning, more purpose, more fulfillment. Because truly, like if we want to get existential, every human being wants meaning in their lives, wants to feel like their life is full of purpose. And we can only find that when we surrender to the best life that God has for us rather than the one that we think is best for us because a life based on pleasure when we're manifesting this life of pleasure we're actually manifesting a life that is devoid of deeper purpose meaning and fulfillment and so we might manifest all those things and feel really pleasurable but then we realize there's still this void Because our best life ever is not the one that we can plan for ourselves. So yes, I still do believe we're all worthy of living our best lives. And I want that for everyone. And I do feel like I am right now in the process of living my best life ever, truly. But it's not my best life ever that I planned to put on my vision board. I didn't pick these things. It's the best life ever. And I know that without a shadow of a doubt, it's the best life ever. Because it's the one God has for me. And that does not guarantee maximum pleasure, but it does guarantee maximum fulfillment and love. I also just want to affirm here and still continue to empower you that you still can change your life. I still believe that. You don't have to be a victim to your circumstance. However, you don't need to do it alone. You're not designed to do it alone. If you've been trying to do it alone this entire time and you're burnt out, it's because your system wasn't designed to do it alone. We weren't designed to be gods in our own realities. We were designed to be human beings. (laughs) Your life can absolutely change for the better. But trust must precede miracles. Faith must precede miracles. And sometimes we're given these painful experiences or initiations, but that's where the faith is built. That's where it's born. Faith is born in pain, not in joy. And faith must precede miracles. We have to believe before it shows up, right? This is like the basis of all the manifestation I used to teach. You have to believe before you see it. And I still believe that it's like everything I believed about manifestation is still true, but now God's in the picture. We don't have to just believe that the in the universe or believe in ourselves. We get to believe in God, that he is providing for us. But we have to believe before we see it. Faith and trust must precede the miracles that we're asking for. And here's the best part of this is that you don't need earth shattering, mountain moving faith because sometimes that feels impossible. 
when you feel so lost in your life because I know that feeling. You do need faith, but it doesn't need to be monumental faith. It could just be a sliver, like a little tiny baby seed, like the smallest, smallest little seed, tiniest, tiniest little sliver of faith. God can work with that. God can work with that. Like just ask yourself, what if, what if it could get just like a little bit better? Maybe just a little bit of my suffering or of this situation could be relieved. What would that look and feel like? Could I believe in that? Sometimes we get caught so caught up in the in these larger visions and we have trouble believing in them. And it's important to have that larger vision. I'm not saying let go of it, but also build your faith in the small things. Build your faith that tomorrow could be 1% better than today if that's all you've got. Start there. God can work with that, but he can't work with nothing. If we completely close our hearts, if we let go of all faith and trust, and we let ourselves become a victim to our circumstances, to our lives, there is nothing for God to work with. This is a co-creation with God, life. We are meant to be in this dance together, to be in relationship together. He's not some dictator just dictating our lives. We're in relationship with him. We get to co-create with him. So we must be open to him to receive from him. And also one last little note. What you appreciate expands in your reality. Universal laws still apply. What you appreciate expands. What are you really wanting more of? More love? more appreciation, more abundance, whatever it is you're wanting more of. Are you appreciating what's already here? This seems like such a basic, but there's already so much provision in your life and so many blessings. What you appreciate expands. And this also really applies to people. You want your husband or your partner or your friend or your sister or your mom to be more loving or more kind or more generous. If all we're doing is nagging and focusing on what we want to change in them, that's going to expand. What if we focus on the good that we already see on them? What if we chose to appreciate that, whether it be verbally to them out loud or really just within our own hearts or both? And also within yourself, don't forget yourself. We're so hard on ourselves, all the things we're not doing right. What about all the ways you're proud of yourself? All the times you were really courageous. All the times when you showed up when all you wanted to do was give up. All of the times you were really there for someone or really there for yourself or worked really hard on your dreams. You also deserve all of the love and forgiveness and appreciation that you so readily and easily give to others. And I'm going to end here because I feel like I went all over the place in this episode. I talked about so many things. I guess this is very typical of me. But this went in so many different directions. And of course, 
I didn't even talk about the topic I meant to talk about. I feel like this is just my pattern. I plan a podcast and I talk about something completely different. But I guess this is what God wanted me to talk about. Someone out there needs to hear what I shared in this episode. And what I plan to share, I will share in a future episode because it's still important. And with that said, uh, I still have two, one or two spots open and available for my retreat in Greece. So if you are like me and you are terrified of long-term commitments and couldn't make the leap, you know, five months ago or so, it's two months away now. So if you feel called to come to Greece with me and 11 other women and create deep community and have lots of loving bonding experiences and go on a boat together and stay in a luxury villa in a Greek island and just really open our hearts and come into communion with ourselves, with each other and with God. I would love to have you. The link with more info and registration is in the show notes or in my link on my Instagram bio at pursuit of blessed with an underscore. You can send me a DM if you have any questions or an email, Chris and Jenna at pursuit of bliss.com. If you feel called to working with me, Right now, I only have one-on-one available. So if you feel called, and you'll know if you do, my clients are my soulmates. Uh, If you feel called, if you feel that connection, you feel like you're meant to be working with me, send me a message or apply the link to apply for one-on-one mentorship. It's also in the show notes or in my Instagram bio. And um, make sure when you fill out that application, you really sit with it and sit with yourself and sit with God before you fill it out. I really come from your heart when you're answering the questions and there are no right or wrong answers ever, but I want to feel you. I want to feel your heart. I want to know who you are and where you're coming from. And once you do that, I will reach out personally so we can open a conversation and see if this is the right fit for both of us. And as always, if this episode spoke to you, I so appreciate when you guys share on Instagram and tag me so I can repost and see the love and send it to a friend or family member you think could benefit from it. And it means the absolute world when you leave me reviews on iTunes. I read all of them and they bring me to tears every time. If you do choose to do that, you can also send a screenshot of your review to support at pursuitofbliss.com and we'll send you back a healing meditation from me for free. So I love you all. Thanks for listening to my crazy rambling and I'll see you next week.